0: We appreciate you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in, day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Uh
1: Stin, I uh was having nightmares around what time was game time? Four PM last week? Four thirty. Yeah, around 6.20, I was having uh, nightmares about the idea of saying Jack, Jake Bentley sucks um, on a broadcast or on a podcast and, and thinking about how you know our, our dozen or so listeners would never let me hear the end of that. Uh, but Jake Bentley sucks. That came, that came to fruition. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad for that. Yeah, um,
0: we yeah. The second half, it was a totally different story. Story, as we'll definitely get into here in a moment. But uh, Jake Bentley does kind of suck um, based
1: on that second half. He became Jake Acura in the second half. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I don't think that I mean neither you or I are, are are generally high energy guys. But I don't think we came with the proper amount of heat into the start of this episode for how awesome of a game that was on Saturday. That was the rare really good Husky game. There's, there's important Husky games. There's not that many good Husky games in the last five or six years or so.
0: I, I kind of have trouble saying it was awesome simply because for half of it, I was just really pissed off.
1: Yeah. Like awesome
0: true. to me would be the whole game would be really great. Uh-huh. Um, but like we were, we were really good and, in all facets and just like the other team was really good in all facets as well type of situation. But that definitely can't be said. So, I
1: think the, I the, be, the best game that I can remember in recent memory, um, the, the, the 2017 comeback against Utah to save that season, uh, the, the original Kyle Whittingham game, is, is obviously one that strikes familiar just because of the opponent. Sure. Honestly, the, the next best game, and it, was a wh- it sucked, was the at Oregon loss the C.J. Verdell lost in overtime? That oh. was a that was a phenomenal college football game. Just really, really sucked ass to lose to that team. You know what's kind of
0: a bummer is, I mean, this is obvious, but if we if we have to encounter any of those type of losses this season, it's not like I'm gonna have like a dive bar menu to kind of lean back on or like a picture of Coors Light. It's just gonna be the four walls of my apartment <laughs> that I'm gonna have to kind of come to terms with
1: and that, that delicious moment that delicious door water that you have uh yeah. <laughs> coming out of the fridge uh yeah it's it's definitely not the same uh not that you know I'm going to a lot of UW bars anyways in Boston um but sure. uh but the experience is is uh of it's easier to lose in in Seattle than it is to Boston when you're on your couch and it's at one in the morning uh, I'll tell you yeah that. It's it's so strange, not to get on too much of a tangent
0: here, but it's so strange to, and I know this is unfortunately, fortunately, for, fortunately, I don't know how you look at it, but it's, it's something that you're used to by now, but it is so weird to watch a Husky game at Husky Stadium on TV.
1: <laughs> like, I can't tell you the last time I watched a game live
0: that was at Husky
1: Stadium. Yeah, I'll tell you the In first. Decades, the first... at least over a decade the first one I really ever had was in Ireland, but then the first one after college was really, really strange. Uh, when I was, it was the Utah state home game that year. Uh, and it just did not feel right to be away from all that. Uh, as I was starting a whole new life in Massachusetts, but now much more normal. Anyways, it's not why anyone's listening here to, to, yeah. to get my diary <laughs> here on, on uh, my expat uh, Seattle, but the Huskies before, Saturday, We're 0-30 in the last 15 seasons when they trailed by more than uh, 21 points. The second half was full of just huge defensive plays, huge defensive stands, uh, big plays on offense, uh, big shots down the field that didn't quite work. Uh, that last drive was really fun. Uh, there was a third and 10 there, diving catch by Puka Nakua, uh, a bad snap. It was There was just a lot of, of chaos brewing in that second half. And uh, even though the Huskies kind of got off, they were ahead of schedule, and it was twenty-one seventeen to start the fourth quarter. Uh, just couldn't climb that last uh, little bit that they needed to to get over the hump uh, until the very end with with uh, Kate Otten.
0: Yeah, Kate Otten, eight receptions, one hundred eight yards, two
1: touchdowns. Are we moving into first down right now? Let's, was that a transition? Let's just go to Kate Otten. Kate Otten. Okay, was phenomenal the eight catches like you said seven of them in the second half for a buck for 103 and and two touchdowns in the second half uh don't know why it took so long to throw it to him it was kind of like the hunter bryant conundrum of a couple years ago and that that uh, the rose bowl where it was like it's the third quarter and he doesn't have a catch yet and he's clearly our best offensive player um but uh hopefully they've learned the lesson that just throw to k dot and good shit happens
0: yeah the interesting thing about it is it's not like necessarily we were just kind of throwing into throwing to him um, on first down or whatever it was in high pressure third down you got to get it situations Um, that first touchdown drive to begin the second half we uh, he converted on third and four on our own 34 for 13 yards extended the drive the next drive that we had the ball uh, third and 10 on Utah's 27 16 yards ended up kicking a field goal on that drive Um, third drive of the second half uh, wasn't on third down, but second and nine on our own 43, he went 21 yards on that one plus tack on a, a roughing the passer 15 yarder next play first and 10 on Utah's 21 touchdown. So, um, and then, you know, a lot to be said about him on the final drive, which he had three catches, um, one of which was on third and down th- on third down, uh, another of which was a 16 yard touchdown catch.
1: Yeah, and one of which was the the Dylan Morris uh, bobbled snap or, or snap into the dirt. Yeah. uh that he just you know was in the right place and extended that drive. And we have a great mm-hmm. cat sighting here on on the podcast if you are <laughs> watching at home, which no one will be. But uh, yeah, Kate Auden is is just fantastic. The the you know the, the aesthetics of him are awesome. He you know did a, a tremendous job job blocking in that Oregon State game. Uh, but in the well, really in this game there was nobody to block with the run game. What just was not working. Uh, so it was time to, to start airing it out. And he is simply perfect when you throw, throw to him. Uh, thanks to the the fine folks at the fabulous Pelton cast, a great podcast that you should check out. If you are in any aspect of Seattle sports, they cover it well. Uh, Kevin Pelton stats. Uh, God has been on this podcast before. Uh, use the CFB scraper, uh, the R tool to, to get more detailed stats. Uh, he found that Kate Otten has 16 catches on 18 targets this year for 212 yards. Uh, the success rate when you throw to K- Kate Otten, so success rate is basically picking up uh, the amount of yards that you need to to move the ball effectively. So 50% on uh, first down, 70% on second down, and then 100% on third down, I believe are the numbers. 70% success rate when you throw to Kate Otten. So just that, that includes incomplete passes. So 70% of the time when you throw to Kate Otten, the thing you need to have happen happens uh and i will say it every week in the podcast kate otten doesn't wear gloves he does he not wear gloves. gloves i can i looked at like old tum water photos of kate otten never seen him wearing a, a pair of gloves
0: so it just reminds you of uh simpler times where you know you didn't need some grippy thing on your hands you just kind of it was it come it hails from the rub some dirt on it era um, yes that that reminds me of yes uh he so. is
1: Pro football Focus's highest rated offensive player in the conference. Um he is uh just exquisite. And and the best thing about Kate Otten, I'll tell you this. There's another one. Ryan Otten is a six foot six, two hundred and twenty-five pound junior tight end at Tumwater High School. Wow. Uh, and I would imagine that he has intentions to to go to UW as well. Uh so that's just great. Otten's are just okay. popping up. That that dynasty
0: of uh, the Sid Otten dynasty, which is his grandfather, and like has been a head coach at Tumwater High School for over fifty years. I don't know the exact number. It's pretty incredible. Like you just never see that anymore. So um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you to the Tumwater and Otten family for uh, granting us their uh,
1: their their.
0: I don't know what what the correct term would be. Don't want to say poster child, but like
1: their chosen prince. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
0: sure. That works. Um, yeah. he yeah. has been outstanding and, and he continue he will continue to be outstanding for us for the remainder of the season. I'm sure of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Lake put, put on the hat. Uh, it's not run the damn ball. Let's give Kate on the damn ball. I mean, yeah. He, like he is, yeah. he is so freaking good. Um, <laughs> almost. I mean, it's two games. I'm, I'm these, these are the two best games of, of Kate out career where he's gone back to back weeks ago going over hundred yards. But um Achieving a level of of consistency and all around play and not leaving you tantalizing or like wanting more in a way that Austin Severian Jenkins did. Uh who you know, similar UW's probably last truly great tight end. Hunter Bryant was great, but not nearly the blocker that Kate Otten or ASJ were. Oh yeah. Uh but ASJ always you felt like there was more to give. K. Otten, you're getting 100 percent of his skills every single week now is that maybe the expectations that he came in with perhaps i mean totally
0: it's got to be right i mean yeah. and it also it's it also could be because of the the play calling like we seem to obviously favor otten whereas there were moments with uh during bryant Hunter bryant uh where it's like why aren't we throwing in the ball more mm-hmm. uh well that like you said right when we opened this i believe you know that's not been an issue this year yeah. Um, so it was an issue in the first I, half though,
1: I'll tell you that. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that was an issue. Now I don't want to be a downer, but is he eligible to leave after this year? I just need to like mentally prepare myself if that's true.
1: I, I think he is because the year that he played his freshman year, he did play and it wasn't the, uh, the four game freshman year, freshman rule that was instituted last year. So this is his true junior season. Um, oh, so. okay. I didn't.
0: Yeah. I guess he is a junior. I, I was I was off there. I was thinking sophomore. So
1: and just just thinking about how good of a blocker he is, like I and you know the the reputation that George Kittle has amassed in in the league as a, as a, both mm-hmm. a, a pass catcher and blocker. Yeah. I think Kate Otten might be a first round pick. Uh, I would not be surprised if if that evaluation comes. Um, and you know what? Let's let's just ride him until until he's going to go on and, and mash in the pros. Sure. Uh, any any lasting thoughts on on Kate other than this is truly an amazing feat that a tight end has achieved first down status on this podcast.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a great point. (laughs) This is probably the first time ever that (laughs) that's been the case, but um, no, I I mean, I think we've said, said pretty much everything we had to say about him. Um, I just hope he gives us a reason to
1: a good reason to
0: have him on first down again on the pod.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, let's, let's talk about the play calling here uh, because this was uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball. There's plenty to talk about defensively as well, but, um, this was something that was a, a little bit of, of uh, a point of frustration throughout the game, uh, even as the Huskies were making their comeback. Um, the first one to talk about is the m- just absolute botched uh, field goal uh, in the first half where uh, they were set up at, for a fourth and five. Peyton Henry would have come out there and kicked a 35-yard field goal. Uh, the Huskies attempted a, a trick play of some sort uh, to to move the – to. Maybe try and draw Utah offsides, but anyways, they mess it up. Delay of game, move back five yards. Peyton Henry misses the field goal. Um, that was a really poor showing. That that play, I don't know if you caught it, but that's the same play that Boston College ran on Clemson uh, to to score late in that first half. The Joe Tessitore play, if if that rings a bell okay. for anybody, yep. Uh, where the holder comes up, tries to draw him offsides. It was the exact same play. If you look at look at it, uh, the problem was is that Boston College got into that play. With 15 seconds left in the in the uh, on the play clock, and UW got to got to the holding position with about six, uh, so just couldn't get the play in time, and that was that was the big issue there. The bigger issue, two things: Peyton Henry can't hit, can't hit a 40 yard field goal, and Jimmy Lake didn't call a timeout in that situation, um, and just cost his team five yards and therefore three points. That was that was a really big big blunder in that first half.
0: Yeah, at the time, I I thought that they at the taking the time or taking the five yards there was almost designed. Like it seemed like there was no urgency to get that snap off. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that truly was the case, I I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. I do question it though. You're, you're talking about a kicker who was, um, I, I frankly oh. don't know what he was coming into the game as, but he's four for seven thus far this season. Uh, he's missed one um, within 20 to 30 yard range he's missed both that he's attempted between the 40 to 50 yard range um so you know they're probably they're probably thinking of him as Payne henry of last year which was a pretty solid you know 19 for 21 um, it. yeah exactly we talked about jokingly for most of the time but we talked about the fact that he was in the running for the lou grozo award last year um he struggled so far this year we all know that and um to go out there and make it a little bit more challenging on yourself. Uh, I, I questioned that decision-making. Um, then again, you know, hindsight, like I said, hindsight's 2020. 20. If you get the offsides there, you get a new set of downs and, um, and you're going for more. Um, but yeah, I, I
1: don't want to see ourselves just eat five yards for the sake of it. Um, yeah. There was just no excuse for that at all. You, you had a, a little bit of a, a research project as did I related to play calling, but, uh, <laughs> curious as to, to what you came up with that you were, <laughs> you were second guessing is as, as we were about to start here. So we might, we might uh, pull a U-turn halfway through this. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I went down the rabbit hole last night of uh, trying to figure out, you know, like what we did on first and second downs in the first half versus the second half. I realized after I did all that that it kind of was in some cases irrelevant because we were losing uh, sure. in the second half. So obviously we're going to pass more in first and second down. Um, so the second the second half stats that I may list off here might not really make or carry as much weight, but I think the first half ones do. Um we we had 15 plays on first and second down in the first half. Mm-hmm. We passed on only five of them. So we just gotta. We just are obviously. You know, it was it was pretty it's apparent very to everybody watching that it's very conservative, uh, very run heavy. It seemed like we were very much so setting ourselves up for play action later in the game, which did work like rather well in the second half. So like. In that sense, credit to John Donovan for opening that up as a possibility in the second half and a tool that we could use um, to we could exploit. So the issue is we were putting ourselves into you know a lot of long situations, a lot of tough situations. Um, as as our our good friend Christian Capel of um, of the Athletic noted in some of his uh, post game notes, is that we were averaging 7.75 yards on second down or facing 7.75 yards on average on second down, which is just way too much. And then on third down, um, we were facing on average 7.9 yards to go. Uh, So even worse. So, and we were four for 13 on third down. So it's just starting uh, not being successful on first down and just having a compound by doing the exact same thing on second down for most, for the most part against Albeit a new front seven for Utah, a historically uh, stout front seven of of Utah. Like they're they're always pretty decent up front. So um, I just wish that we could have been a little bit more. um, I I don't want to say like we were we were just very set in our ways. And I understand wanting to establish the run. Like that's something that you always hear, and there's a lot of validity to that. But there comes a point where on second down, if it's not working on first down, you need to start opening up the pass on second down. And that did not happen at all the first half. And the yeah. second half it did. And we saw that, you know,
1: we reap those rewards. A couple of things on that is that play action is fantastic, right? We've talked about this a lot on this podcast that the, the Huskies offense the last couple seasons have looked has looked the best when play action plays are involved. And that's because play action plays work always. Like I say always, but, <laughs> They they have a very high success rate because of what what it does to the linebackers. In the same sense that you know motion and, and misdirection in these things are good things because they put stress on the defense in, in a way that just lining up and um, you know just uh, dropping back and passing doesn't. And so including that in your repertoire is important. But you don't have to run the ball. You don't have to establish the run and just slam it into the middle of the line to pull off play action. You're a good running team. You proved that against Arizona and Oregon State. The defense should be thinking about that always, and you don't have to just uh, you know sacrifice your first four or five drives of the game because you're trying to establish something that you've already established in the first two games, uh, and you have a great offensive line. So that was that was extremely frustrating. Uh, also, did some some research on basically the same topic. of, okay, let's look at second and ten, and and second and nine, and second and eight, and what did the Huskies do uh, when they ran and when they passed on on five or including second and seven in the, on that as well. So basically second and long ish. Sure. On five or on second and seven or more, the Huskies ran five run plays for a total of zero yards on set passes on plays of second and seven or more. They ran eight plays for 74 yards, uh, including two zero yard gains. So, you know, six plays for 74 yards plus the two incomplete passes uh, is so much better than than running the ball. Basically, you know, if you ask me uh, you know, what, what gap should the Huskies be hitting and what's, what's their protection scheme, I'm not your guy. Basic offensive philosophy, I think I under, understand this pretty well. Try and get a first down in the first two downs. Don't wait to third down. Try not to get to third and long, especially, uh, and your offense will always be ahead of schedule. You'll be able to keep the defense on their toes uh, because the defense doesn't know what you're doing because on third and long, they know what you're doing. You're passing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's a simple thing that I think was just getting missed over and over. I was texting the, our, our group chat throughout that game. The rule is second and long, you're not running the ball, but over and over the Huskies kept doing that, uh, to very little success. They even did it in the second half. They, they ran the ball yeah.
0: on second and nine or longer three times in the second half. So it's mm-hmm. not like that necessarily completely changed. Uh, we were still kind of set on our ways in that regard. We just were, uh, more effective. I, I don't know. I mean. We we're just more effective in general in the second half we saw, but yeah, it's uh,
1: John Donovan really likes running the ball on first and second down. Apparently. Yeah. Which is just, again, this is one of the things that we talked about when he got hired is uh, the things that we were hearing about his offense, aggressive attacking men- mentality, downfield, uh, you know, hit you in the mouth, all that BS. None of what I heard was aggressive on early downs. Um, you know, uh, kind of this, this modern ad- approach to offense that, uh, that was fully on display against utah that that was that was hurting our offense was the inability to get into third and manageable uh and put stress on the defense
0: yeah i think what what, what were we on i think we were like two for seven on on a um, third down in the first half it was just mm-hmm. something terrible like that yeah if not worse yeah
1: it's it's got to change and hopefully that was uh that was pretty good evidence of that but uh i have my doubts the defensive performance on Saturday, uh, there was a lot that was not great about it. Uh, the first half, there were a couple big, big plays that Jake Bentley threw um, to to down the sideline. That second play of the game, the the one handed catch down the sideline, um, but and then some longer runs. Uh, the the freshman Utah running back was able to to kind of gash the Huskies, but. Um, in the in the second half, the Huskies uh, held Utah to 138 yards on 30 plays. Uh, they forced three turnovers and a turnover on downs. Uh, it was a much much better performance in the second half, despite Utah being in a, in a position where they could really uh, milk the clock and and just kind of manage the game. And they were still not able to do that.
0: Yeah, you you have to give the Huskies credit for the fact that you know
1: they they knew they're in
0: the they're in a hole and they played pretty poorly at, at halftime. And they came out and they. Completely flipped the switch. I mean, obviously, we start open with a touchdown, but from a defensive standpoint, uh, our defensive drives in the second half were interception, huge fourth down
1: stop, so turnover on downs. The worst fumble. sneak I, The worst sneak I'd ever seen in my life until Justin Herbert sneaked the next day.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, w- it wasn't great, I'll give you that. Uh, fumble, punt, punt, interception. So, um, yeah, obviously, the defense was... I would I would say they're kind of in a bend but no break, but they were if you talked about the game in general, but for the second half specifically, they were just dominant. I mean, they made plays when they had to, um, and that's what's going to happen when you have the likes of Elijah Molden, who's been around this you know program for a while and knows what it takes. Um, you know, shout out to to Zion uh, Tupuola Fatui continues to be like just playing at a disgustingly high rate. Yeah, oh uh, like like to the point where you now need to start being concerned about him leaving for the draft. Well, not concerned, but, you know, that's now a possibility. And yeah. you have to account for a potential loss because he's a redshirt sophomore. So, um, yeah, it's just incredible game for him. Six tackles, three sacks, another forced fumble, a fumble recovered. Um, it could have been four sacks if it wasn't for a questionable roughing call. I thought that he got his forearm up on the kind of the upper chest area and yep. didn't get it in into Bentley's face mask. But, you know, we'll let that one slide. Uh, we can only ask for so much from Pac-12 <laughs> officials. Uh, he now leads the country in sacks per game. He's the highest rated edge rusher or edge defender in the Pac-12 per pro football focus. Third straight week that he's won defensive lineman of the week awards. I mean, to, that's that's just one of several individuals we
1: could be talking about right now. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm just saying this is this is on air live practice. Okay, Tupuola Fatui, nice. Tupuola. As far Fatui. as I'm
0: concerned, that's spot on.
1: Zion. Who am I? Who am I? Didn't <laughs> say that. You, you are you are the the czar of of uh, of pronunciation. Zion. The, Tupuola Fatui. I'm saying it confidently and saying it. There proudly. we go. Nice. Zion. Tupuola Fatui. It is fun to say ZTF, learn the guy's name. He's going to be making a lot of money very soon. He is fantastic. The, the, the sack he got at the end of the Utah game, uh, his, uh, the last sack that he had um, to end the drive right after uh, the interception that Dylan Morris threw down the sideline oh, yeah. to, to Ty Jones, where he just straight up – he didn't even split the two, the two linemen. He just ran through the middle of the Bulldozed. two. Bulldozed. It was unbelievable. Uh, he And like you you brought this up, this guy was not supposed to even start. Uh, it was supposed it was to be, Ryan, be the
0: fourth stringer.
1: It was supposed to be Ryan Bowman and uh, Latu, And, uh, you know, Savelle Smalls was probably ahead of him at that point. And uh, Zion Tupula Fatui, I'm just so p- proud of myself for being able to pronounce it, um, <laughs> has, has just... It's insane to think that there was any doubt about this guy's talent. Um, You know, he flashed a little bit at the end of the season, but yeah, he's just been amazing. Uh, Another phenomenal name to, to pronounce. uh, Eddie Olufosio is PFF's highest graded inside linebacker, not in the PAC 12 in college football. This was a guy who was not starting for the Huskies until the Arizona game last year uh, and is now Playing at an all American level. Dude is everywhere. Basically, as as you know, one of two linemen de- or inside linebackers of the Huskies actually play. Uh, he's in on every play and and is just a, a perfect, perfect middle of the defense guy uh for what Jimmy Lake has to do in that nickel and dime defense.
0: I'm I'm trying to look up if he was a walk-on. I can't remember. Yeah, he uh, was. I want to say he
1: was. He just got a scholarship late last season.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that's incredible. First of all, secondly, uh, like you said, he had a great game, 14 tackles. Now is 29 on the season. Uh, he has thrown a sack in there as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, you, this was probably our weakest position group, maybe on the entire team last year inside linebacker. And he's completely changing that um, this year. So maybe that's one of the been- most
1: maybe one of the weakest position groups of like any Chris Peterson team I'd ever seen the linebackers last year. They were terrible.
0: Yeah. So this has been a very, very welcome surprise. Uh, He's just all over the place. um, Sideline
1: to sideline. It's, it's everything you want to see at an inside linebacker. Yeah. And from all accounts, seems just like an awesome, awesome kid. I heard him a little bit on the the pregame show on Saturday, talking uh, with the Husky Honks, and uh, very well grounded dude who just works really hard and uh, has earned everything that that has come his way. Uh, some other notes: Elijah Molden and Trent McDuffie are awesome. We'll talk about uh, Molden a little bit later, but they are uh, both in the top five of PFF's top five. Um, uh, graded defensive players in in the conference, uh, bringing the Huskies total up to five or four out of the top five there with Ulofosio, uh, ZTF and Molden and McDuffie, um, McDuffie with the great pick at the end of the game. Uh, you basically, you, you don't throw on him down the field, uh, down the sideline and, you know, Keith Taylor is, is serviceable. And so you have all three of those guys in the field, basically at all times with, with, uh, with, eddie lefoscio and ztf and this defense is just in awesome awesome shape even though I, still- I would say i would say keith taylor is better than serviceable too just yeah to yeah he's he's a he's a he's a you know a, a b or b plus which is awesome
0: yeah it's like we don't even think about him anymore though because there's these guys that are just playing out of their minds
1: yeah yeah, yeah. uh uh, no Ryan Bowman on Saturday. I think that, that definitely hurt the Huskies. They had trouble setting the edge uh, in a lot of cases and just uh, being stout at the middle, which Bowman can contribute a little bit on. But lots of Savelle Smalls and no big plays from him, but I think um, it, it was nice to see him get a little run. For sure. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's obviously supposed to be the next big thing on on the in our front seven. So um, good to see him get early playing time. Uh, like we mentioned before, wasn't necessarily expected that he would get this much playing time with no Joe Tryon, no Latu, um, and maybe even to an extent with Tupou Fatui's emergence. But uh, yeah, he he's getting quality time as a true freshman. Can't hurt him.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, and he's not getting burned like he you know he's not making no, that not at all you know he's not making the strip sacks that we all want to see. But he's he's in there and he's you know playing at a at a at a semi competent level at this point, uh, sure. and that will that will only improve. Speaking of improving or whatever we saw from Dylan Morris on Saturday, uh, it is time for the Dylan Morris progress report. Uh, Both of us are extremely proud of him for doing all we wanted him to ever do, which is, of course, to make an appearance on the shutdown forecast and get that crew to start talking about his play. Um, That means that he has achieved a certain level of fun uh, and interesting levels that uh, have not been achieved by a UW player since uh, Jake Browning was just throwing absolute grenades around Uh, a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. uh, Morris went 23 for 38 for 272 yards, two touchdowns. He did have three interceptions. Let's call it two because one was a Hail Mary at the end of the second half. Um, First week where he made some mistakes, obviously with those INTs. Uh, He also made a lot of great plays too, especially in the second half when we actually scored points. Um, But... he still, he still is underthrowing or overthrowing players. He still kind of struggles on a deep ball. He had his, um, both of his interceptions uh, were, well, like I said, he had three, but the two legit ones were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was, I think, on our very first drive of the game. Yep. It was an out route to Terrell Bynum, complete and to double coverage, just Bynum was not even close to catching this it if, was it was if
1: if the defender that did pick it off didn't pick it off, the guy behind him was going to pick it off yes yeah. it was yeah. horrible, yeah
0: really bad um <laughs> and then the the second one was I was pretty frustrated with it, as you could probably tell in the text I was thrown out, but I mean, Ty Jones had beat his guy on a double move um he was down down the field wide open on the sideline and Uh, Morris completely underthrew him. It was in a very critical moment of the game when we were down, I believe, by four at that point with about Mm -hmm. eight minutes left. Um, You really need to make that throw. You know, this is power five football. I don't care if you're a redshirt freshman. Um, But hey, he came back with an 88-yard drive on the following offensive possession thanks to the defense getting a stop. And uh, he looked like that calm, composed, uh, playing well above his age type of player that we. Had seen in the first two games, um, he made it happen on with his feet to get out of the pocket, elude some pressure, connect with Auten on the touchdown. Um, he's just he's just a competitor. That's yeah. that's what it comes down to. He's a competitor. He's going to find ways to win. Um, he's not going to do this every game. You know, he's going to have some bad games. That's just the reality of playing sports. But like so far, I think you have to be pretty excited. And again, we say this every week. Um, so far, you got to be pretty excited with the composure and just how this guy is kind of leading this offense um, through through some tough
1: situations. But they've
0: they've come out on top in every every uh, game, every scenario thus far. So you got to be pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah, I I mean he is he is enigmatic. He's a high variance player for sure, um, in a different way than Jake Browning was. Uh, Jake Browning just didn't I feel like have that big play. He had big play players that played with him his that sophomore season, and that that accentuated his his skills a little bit, but. Uh, I just don't think he could create plays with his legs in the same way that Morris can just the the two you know the the diving catch by Puka Nakua and the touchdown to Kate Otten were both uh, off of plays where Kate Otten, or where Dylan Morris is rolling to his left which is a right-handed quarterback is extremely hard to do and throw on target. Um, he was a little off target with the Puka Nakua grab but um, but the fact that he can do that and feels comfortable doing that at where he is in his career is is a really nice thing. And, you know, if you're going to lead game-winning drives, you have got to make plays like that. Um, and, you know, we saw uh, Jacob Eason could not have possibly made those plays last year. Uh, the, the mobility just wasn't there. And I just – we've talked about this before. College quarterback, you've got to be able to scramble and, and to, to pick up yards. And that's actually something Morris, I feel like, is leaving a lot on the table is scramble yards and trying to make that play downfield. Um, is great, but just scrambling and picking up five or six and getting out of bounds is the next thing I would like to see him add to his arsenal because five or six yards is a damn good play and it's there all the time if, if – uh, or you know most of the time if you're, if you're a pretty athletic guy like he is. Uh, he, his issue is just calibration. He, he is not calibrated on the deep ball yet. Uh, they, they roasted him on the broadcast with that montage of, of uh, overthrows against Arizona that just looks really bad when they showed it all next to each other. Uh, and then the underthrow that you talked about, and even the deep throw he hit to Bynum early in that game was a little underthrown as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But the arm strength is there. It's just dialing it in and, and honestly probably throwing it into less tight windows if you are going to throw it down the field. And you could you could say, you know, that the lack of
0: reps, uh, I mean, they've had reps, sure, but not anywhere near what you would normally have before a season. Uh, the lack of reps probably is is—I mean, it is, I mean, it is – it is working against him right now, so hopefully we'll see that kind of calibrate in as you're as you're saying, and um, you know start connecting on those plays because the receivers are getting open.
1: Um, he's just not hitting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he also has a problem of of as they mentioned in the forecast of throwing way too hard at guys that are close to him, <laughs> like yeah. just bullet passes from five yards away. <laughs> Uh, Cam so, Davis has gotten like four of those so yeah, far this year. Yeah. Kamari Pleasant got one that went through his hands on that last drive. Um, so yeah, Dylan Morris, the raw materials are, are certainly there. The moxie is there. The 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 competitor, the competitive nature is there. Um, it's just kind of uh, ironing it out. And, you know, the defense put him in a position where he could go out and win. And he did that. And that was, that was a really, really cool moment uh, for him and his development. Uh, And he's fun. Like that's, that's, that's a huge, I don't know how fun Jacob Eason was. The Jacob Eason long bombs that worked were fun, but mostly maddening uh, for Eason and and obviously Browning towards the end there. It's kind of, it's kind of
0: weird. This is like the first year and probably four seasons where we're coming into the season with pretty, you know, average to Mm -hmm. below average expectations for our starting quarterback so to have any kind of above average results feels great. Yeah. Like maybe that's maybe that's that's I mean, that is why we've led this show over the years with QBU talk on first down so often is because the expectations for a Jacob Eason or an experienced and winning quarterback like Jake Browning are so high that anything less than that, you know, it was it wasn't good enough. Um, but here it's it's just it's just interesting to um, kind of transition. And know that there's going to be some issues, and then have him, for the most part, perform above what at least what my expectations were. Um, it's kind of nice. It's a it's a different change of scenery.
1: Yeah, we live in a post-Jake era, and and uh, and I like it so far. Um, to, this week's top two are, is is related to Elijah Molden, who had an interception on on Saturday, uh, among many great plays. He is very fun to watch. He's an extremely good tackler in the open field near the sidelines. Um, in on the ball a lot. The honey badger comparisons are there, even though he's he's not he's not that in on the ball like like Matthew was at LSU. But um, his career is probably running is, is running to a close here. This will be his last season at UW. Um, and the question this week was: Does he crack the top two defensive backs in the Jimmy Lake era, which I believe would start at two thousand fourteen and later at UW? And I think your inclination is the answer is no on that.
0: You know, I gave this a little bit more thought after I said that. I actually did include him in my top two. Oh, um, wow. yeah. It it's, it's really hard to determine this because defensive back is not really a stats-driven position. I mean, yeah, sure, there's interceptions, passes deflected, all that good stuff. But, like, unless you're using some really um, complex grading system, like a pro football focus type of thing, um, I don't really know how to best determine this because you know, you could be the best cornerback in the country and just never get thrown at. And mm. so you just log no stats whatsoever. Um, that being said, I think there's, I think now correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the shortlist I had and remember like you said, 2014. So there's no Desmond Trufant um, and I excluded Marcus uh, Peters because he was dismissed from the first year of the Lake era.
1: Obviously no Mesvin Forrester, Matt Fontaine, uh, those yeah. guys are, yep. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're out as well.
0: Okay. Thank you for clarifying though. Sure. Um, yep. Derek the, Johnson, the shortlist. Yep. Yeah. Rock Alexander, you know, um, Buddha Baker, Elijah Molden, Sidney Jones, Kevin King, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, Jordan Miller. I think that's the list. I don't know. I think that's I it. Anyway.
1: I, yeah. I don't think Jojo McIntosh uh, belongs. He was never, uh, never, never the most, um, uh, elegant player out there. I I went off of what DBs
0: have been drafted and sure. those are all the DBs that have been drafted. Makes um, sense. With that said, I I listed buddha Baker and Elijah Molden as my top 2. Um I kind of again, how do I how do I like yeah. how do I give you my reasoning? My reasoning is I was just thinking like who is who impacted games the most mm-hmm. out of that group and You could make a huge argument for probably Byron Murphy, but in my opinion, uh, from what I can remember of these players, I think it has to be Buda Baker. And so far, based on what we've seen this year, plus, you know, obviously, previous years, Elijah Molden has to be in there as well. Um, He's a cornerstone of this team, Um, for sure the cornerstone of the defense. Uh, And... The ability to tackle, like you mentioned, which Buda Baker also possessed is just a huge plus because that's not necessarily a, uh, the first thing you think of when a defensive back, but it's also at the same time, incredibly important because a lot of times you're facing a opposing player in space. So mm-hmm. if you don't make that tackle, they're going to gain a lot of yards. One other person that just came to mind, although they're not in my top two would be miles Bryant. He should be
1: included in that. That is a great point. I loved miles Bryant. He had a, a kind of a disappointing last season, but, uh, Um, yeah dude was everywhere but yeah he was not in my my short list as well i had i had buddha rap byron mold or byron murphy and elijah molden as the top four here uh kevin king is a close fifth kevin king was was uh you felt him in a different way than you felt Sidney jones kevin king obviously like you know think about any of those guys' play kevin king the one-handed pick in the end zone against arizona state is like one of the best (laughs) college football plays i've ever seen um, he was very good and had great ball skills down the field, but, um, those guys kind of all take away from each other. I mean, think, think just that for a second that they all played together, uh, Buddha Baker, yeah. Taylor Rapp, uh, Kevin King and Sidney Jones were all in the same defensive backfield. I mean, that is nuts. That is and, crazy. And, and Buddha of that bunch. Like if you're thinking when they were all playing together, it was Buddha, uh, and Taylor Rapp, I think second behind that. Um, just in terms of from a safety position of just you felt him so much because they needed him to do so much. He was blitzing. He was involved in the play in a different way than anyone else had to be. Sure. That being said, I still think it's Elijah Molden. I, I, I love Molden. His, his progression from where he's come into to school to now has, has been awesome. Um, you know, I don't fault Levi or Joe Tryon for, for going to the, to the draft, but Molden stuck around for basically no reason other than to just show how good he was. And he has done that, and is awesome at just about everything. He's fast, he can cover, great ball skills, tackles well, um, and just seems like a really, uh, really good leader of this team. Um, so I think it's it's Buddha one for sure, and then and then Molden. And and who knows? I mean, Molden Molden could, depending on how this season goes, could achieve a, a higher level than than just where I have him at two there. But I feel pretty confident that it's Buddha, and then and then Molden. And
0: you know his his stock value, his draft value has to be going you know through the roof right now compared yeah. to where it was especially if you know he had just sat out I'm not saying like you said Tryon and Levi that that's their choice you know it's not necessarily the wrong choice um, from a draft stock position but you know we're seeing that it could have benefited them um, it could have been the opposite way too so you know yeah. we'll never know but it definitely is benefiting Molden.
1: Yeah. Uh, good stuff there. That was, uh, I'm glad you, you saw the light that that Elijah belongs in the top two. Uh, I, I figured you would, uh, pro dog of the week. Um, a good segue here. Kevin King had three passes defensed against the bears. Uh, although three passes defensed against Mitch Trubisky, um, is kind of a letdown that number should be, should be higher. I think if you're going to play Mitch. Yeah. He also
0: tacked on four tackles. Um, there wasn't a lot to choose from here. It was a pretty quiet week from the Pro Dogs. Uh, that was aided by the fact that Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin were both hurt and out for the Dolphins this week. So there was no easy, you know, running back that gained 80 yards, just throw him in there as a Pro Dog of the Week type of thing. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, mine was also Kevin King.
1: We did have Drew Sample go four for 40. Uh, uh, finally, not held back without Joe Burrow. He can really fly out there, Drew Sample um so so uh the the fumble i was thinking about doing sample but the fact that he fumbled oh he did fumble it for me yeah god and you know who you are you're listening right now that's why you just can never trust anyone from newport high school you you, you, you just can't uh all right a couple good pro dogs there great cat of the week Uh, Mine is Mike Hopkins. You may have heard reports at at different times of us claiming that this was not a football podcast, that this is a Husky basketball podcast. That is not true, never was true. Uh, I am very, very out on Husky basketball, uh, losing by 15 points to UC Riverside, putting up 42 points, including 22 in the first half. 20 points in the second half against a Big West opponent on a neutral court is Absolutely embarrassing. I don't care who your roster is. You are Husky basketball. That just does not happen. Uh, And uh, it did. And it's going to get worse.
0: Uh, Isn't UC Riverside the anteaters? Uh, That's
1: that's Irvine. Ah, darn.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, what would it be like to get, like, killed by an anteater? (laughs) Like, just blodging to death with its nose or something? or? I think it kind yeah, of chokes that's...
1: chokes you out with the tongue. <laughs> it's really dark. <laughs> uh, they are the Highlanders.
0: So, the more you know. There can only um, be one. <laughs> uh, my great cat uh, was actually Richard Newton. Mm. Um, this is, I don't, I, this might be a little unfair, but it's more so the fact, okay, so Richard Newton didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. And He didn't even see the field on special teams against, uh, uh, this past weekend. So I was I was wondering like what the hell what why why did that happen? Jimmy Lake had a comment after the game on this and he said Very telling. things like things like that are going to happen. We pride ourselves on our guys performing in practice and making sure they're able to execute in practice and we know that's going to transition over into games. We're always evaluating and assessing and we're going to put guys in there that we feel give us the best chance to win the game. So by that little snippet borb that would tell me that he's not playing very well or not taking practice very seriously Mm -hmm. so if that's truly the case then i think he's deserving of this this week of great cat this week if that's not the case and i'm just over reading reading into this too much then i apologize we love you richard newton um we hope you're back next week but that is disappointing. If true, that um, you know he's playing his himself out of playing time on the weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, we are sending you fig dick energy, uh, Richard. Do do not get confused here. But uh, but I also heard that comment yes. and was was kind of taken aback by how uh, you know a coach is not or Jimmy Lake is not in a press conference going to say yeah Richard Newton is is uh, not practicing well at all. He's not going to say that. But that's pretty damn close yeah. with with that quote that you had there. Uh, and and not really hiding that that the issue is just his performance in practice. I mean, he might have fumbled twice in the week, and and this is uh, you know setting the tone early in a coaching coaching reign that that's just not going to fly. You do that stuff a lot more early on. Uh, think about Peterson with the short leash with um, with uh, Marcus Peters, although he did you know punch Jimmy Lake, uh, and and you know guys like Cason Williams and other other seniors on the team who couldn't see the field uh, despite being probably the most most talented players on the team john ross <laughs> exactly right that that's this stuff happens um and and you know jimmy link is comes from that peterson cloth where that's how you set the tone and you send messages to to players who might even be more talented and you you sacrifice what it might be on the field uh and that might be what's happening here i think richard newton um you know is at least as good if not better than than mcgrew and, and pleasant who really struggled to to make much of anything against that utah defense as we talked about great defense but um, but yeah great great little new, I wanted to sneak him into the conversation today but didn't know how to best do it so I appreciate you doing that yeah. uh yin and yang you and I uh my great cat my second great cat is there's, there's always two the officiating in the Oregon state game uh or the officiating in the conference writ large is just a, a walking like embarrassment it, it you can set it it's an <laughs> alarm it will go off the sun will rise and the Pac-12 refs will make you pull your hair out week after week or uh, Oregon state. Uh, I don't know about clearly scored, but uh, definitely probably scored. And then the very next play, they they just blow an offsides call at the goal line against Oregon. Um, it was, it was a, a joke and, and it's, it's when this is the problem over and over uh, and you do nothing to fix it. And you continue to just get ink on your face as, as the conference does, It'll it'll drive us a little bit nuts, uh, but luckily, and we'll flip over to the OKG of the week. Go damn Beavs! Build the dam. Uh, they beat Oregon. The whole Beavers roster is is my OK our, our kind of guy this week. Uh, but uh, if I had to pick one, damn right, it is Jamar Jefferson who was just yes. that dude against Oregon, yeah, uh, and could not be stopped, and makes us feel a whole heck of a lot better about giving a buck only a buck thirty to him uh, when we played them two weeks ago. Yeah, that he is easily the best running back in the conference.
0: Um, maybe the best offensive player in the conference. Uh, He's okay, just really good. Oh yeah, fair. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. Um my OKG is Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. Uh he had six catches for 67 yards, uh, but he had some huge catches, some really tough catches down the stretch. Um, the diving to his right as uh, More scrambled to his left on the f- uh, game winning drive. That one comes to mind. Uh, there's also the, I don't, I think it was third and long, like maybe the play before.
1: Yep, it was on that play drive.
0: Before. There he caught it in traffic, which like we're, you know, we're going for it on fourth and long, deep in our own territory, or maybe punting at that mm-hmm. point yeah. if he doesn't make that. So uh, huge. Uh, obviously, didn't score any touchdowns. We didn't, you know, he was kind of understated in that re- regard, but. He was he was massive for us. So yeah, that's my OKG.
1: Yeah, good good. A uh, couple weeks from Puka. Last week has the sixty two yard catch and run against Arizona. This week is much more of a possession role. Six catches for sixty seven, as you said. Five of them for first downs. So he was Bobby uh, Ingram role. Yeah, he was uh, very reliable, um, which is which is great out of a, a young guy there. Uh, my other OKG Terrell Bynum. I, I love the role that they have for him. Uh, the Jet sweep is very Robert Woods esque in terms of how the Rams uh, use use Woods and getting him on the outside. Uh, and uh, I just hope that his hand still works after the, the yeah uh, the injury that he suffered on that last drive of the game where he fell on his hand and had to get walked off. Uh, but he's all set to start on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's going to play. He said on Twitter that I'm good, so we'll take it as he's playing. <laughs> so um, what's the what's the problem? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, agreed. He he also had uh, some some big plays there. I would love for Richard Newton to also tweet I'm good and just <laughs> have it mean something different. Uh, yeah. Well, that was uh, that was tidy. We we did this in under an hour, which is always wow. always, a, always a feat for us. Um, and now yeah. we're probably going to blow that with some random BS for the last last few minutes here. But I'm calling it right here, uh, one more time for for those listening. Zion Tupuola Fatui, right? Nice. Next time you say, next From time you Pearl want- City, Hawaii. There we go. Next time you want to say ZTF, say the whole thing. Just get it in your head. Uh, it's yep. it's it's worth doing. It feels great. Uh not go, go Dogs, what a win. Stanford. We didn't talk about Stanford at all. Uh, Who cares? Roll on, roll on. Let's beat the tree. Let's I'll, I'll beat just, David Shaw. Can't I'll stand say, that guy. Davis Mills sucks. Why not? Let's just keep it going. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? He absolutely torched us last year, but he sucks. Um uh we'll we'll see what happens. But good good vibes here as uh for Husky fans, which can only mean one thing we're about to lose, but uh let's uh just hang in there live it up for now exactly (laughs) uh all right buddy go dogs go dogs